Thank you, Pastor Mike. I tell you what, I enjoyed uh, enjoyed worship. Just a sweet sense of God's presence. I've been, we've been praying. We've been, you know, it's a it's a privilege and an honor to be able to fill someone like Pastor Mike's pulpit. We have a lot of respect for him and uh, Trinette, his wife. We got to visit with him at the uh, Queen Queen Jill's house last night. That's where we stayed. And uh, even though she's she's a queen, she's sure a sweet lady. And uh, we thank thank you, Jill, for your hospitality. We had a good time. Um, definitely want to share a little bit about Relevant Life Church, but also want to share the word. So I'll just share a little bit about Relevant Life Church, and then we're going to get back to that topic of, uh, that the video showed of who is who is this Jesus? Uh, who is who is Jesus? That's an important question, but. A little bit about myself. My wife and I moved to Moorhead in August of this year to plant a church. I'm sorry, August of 2013. August of this year hasn't happened yet, so that wouldn't be possible. Uh, August of 2013, we moved to Moorhead, uh, obeying God's voice, obeying, uh, obeying God, uh, calling us out of really, to be honest with you, the place that we thought that we would be the rest of our lives. I've been working at Teen Challenge in Brookings, South Dakota for eight and a half years. I graduated that same program in 1999, uh, 1998 and moved to, to Fargo in 99. And I was a broken uh, mess. I was a 18-year-old kid who was addicted to drugs and uh, had a lot of wounds, a lot of pain, and God... I met God in a very personal, intimate way at Teen Challenge, and He He set me free. And I I haven't been perfect since then, but I have committed my life to Him, and I've never turned back from following Him. and And uh, He is been so good, been so good to me. I met my beautiful wife in Moorhead, and we got married in 2001 and have four amazing kids and would have loved to bring them. They love visiting church plants and they're definitely church planter kids. They're they're uh, amazing, but they're with grandma this weekend and, and grandma's house is fun. So uh, it was nice for me and my wife to get a little breather and spend some time together and, and, and really focus on today because I look at every time to fill the pulpit to share God's word with the church. I, it's a it's a serious deal to me. It's a big deal to me because I just feel like the same way that I feel like when we're stepping into this church planning world that when people give you time to listen to what you have to say about God, you better respect that and honor it. And so um, it's a it's a privilege to be able to come and, and share with you guys a little bit about Relevant Life Church. Uh, we, in August of 2013, we moved, like I said. We heard from God in January of that year. And uh, like I said, I was planning to stay. I didn't want to move. And and I just felt like I was in my wheelhouse. I could disciple people. I could teach people. I could preach. I got this... this I mean, there, I got to go to work and within 15 minutes... I could be counseling a student about something. and It was just the coolest dynamic of being able to minister in various different ways and, and also be seeing the impact of what 
when one man gives his heart to God, how that can affect his whole family, uh, wife, kids, his mom, his dad. Just seeing families change by God's power. And so I loved it. I didn't, uh, I didn't want to go anywhere else. My wife was getting her master's degree at SDSU. And God has a way of just, uh, when you think that everything, you know, is just comfortable and fine, and then all of a sudden it's just like, He just does something and it's beyond you, and, and it takes a while to kind of get a clue. Uh, but we got a clue and we said, we know this is from God, and, and we chose to pursue church planning. And, but it was a hard, step out it was uh i don't think i've ever prayed those eight months i don't think i've ever prayed more i probably prayed more of those eight months than i have my entire christian life combined i mean just spent hours in prayer uh fasting asking god to to move asking god that's really when the birth of relevant life church came about some of the specifics some of the scriptures about what we were going to be about what we were going to choose to stand on and when it came time to move, you know, sometimes people are like, God's will is just the door blows open and everything's wonderful and fine. And it, it was not that case for us. My wife has her master's degree in education and she kept looking for jobs to teach in Fargo-Moorhead. And you would think with the ridiculous amount of colleges that that would be easy, but it wasn't. And uh, I think, what, 20, 20 applications? 20 plus applications, not one callback. And we kept looking for housing, kept looking for housing, and housing is an issue when you have a family of six. You can't move into a one-bedroom apartment. Maybe you could, but I think that's illegal. So uh, we chose not to go that route. We wanted to obey the, the law and had to find something that was good and had had a friend that called that we contacted that had a house in Moorhead that they were in ministry. And, said, I think we could let you stay there until you could find something permanent. So we made plans to just move there. The moving van, the moving truck is at our house. Our whole house is packed and we're getting ready to go. And they call us the night before and say, there's no place for you to go. The house won't be ready. And that was like a kick in the gut because it's like you go and you put your faith in the Lord and and you feel like God's with you, but the evidence isn't always there. And I, now, looking back, I know that it was just a... Some of this needed to happen to really solidify in us the, the fact that we just knew that we knew that God had spoken. We had to trust Him. So I went in to pray again, and God just spoke really clearly and said, you go, you go. And I'm like, where do you want me to go? You know, we don't have a house to move into. And he said, just go, even if you got to find storage, just go. And my wife's parents live in Thief River Falls, Minnesota, so we knew we could stay there for a couple days until the kids started school. And so we went with no job, no house, nothing. We just knew that God had spoke to us. And we stepped out in faith, and within a week, my wife got a job Uh through some just amazing circumstances, we found a house that was good for our family, and and have seen and have continued to see God's miraculous provision in stepping out and obeying Him. We went from two incomes 
very nice house to half an income. And uh, in God, we've never been late on paying the rent. We've always had what we needed to pay our bills. Um, our God is a faithful God. And when He speaks and you obey, uh, amazing things can happen. So, that's not the sermon though. So we need to get back on track because I don't have much more time. Uh, but I'm going to talk a little bit about who Jesus is. Who Jesus is, is really, really important. And I'll share a little bit more about relevant life throughout the sermon so you can hear some of what God's doing. But this is, this is a question in, in Matthew chapter 16. I think I gave you guys those scriptures. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 20. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But then he asked him, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are Blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father, who is in heaven, has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church. And all of the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever on earth... Whatever you for on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Love this passage of Scripture. Uh, Peter's probably one of my favorite. I think I can relate to Peter the most. Peter was kind of a uh, very brazen, bold, you know, fisherman, like modern day deadliest catch. You know, that's... That's Peter. You know, he is a, he is wild. And I can relate to him the most because I just feel like I kind of, uh, stick my foot in my mouth sometimes. I'm learning. I'm getting better about the filter. You know, maybe some of you don't struggle with that, but sometimes I'll say something and be like, wow, I shouldn't have said that. And, so Peter was kind of like that, and I can relate to him, but Peter also had this amazing revelation of who Christ is and really was the first person to come out and say, you are the Christ. That was a big deal because in doing that, he basically opened himself up to being murdered. Uh, to being Essentially, that's why Jesus was crucified in the first place because of his claims of who he was. Saying that was a big deal and uh, Jesus said to him though you can see that God didn't just give you that revelation you didn't just come to that by your own means God put something in you that's beyond yourself I think that it's important to look at knowing who Jesus is it's kind of good to know some of the misconceptions about who Jesus isn't I think that our world is pretty open about describing who they think Jesus is and we also we can't just blame everything on the world we also can come to conclusions about who Jesus is that are wrong, that are not right, they're not healthy. Part of that comes from our culture, right? Part of that comes from our upbringing. Part of that comes from mom and dad. Part of that, and some of that's great for people who have wonderful, healthy, awesome homes, but 
Sin wreaks havoc. Sin causes issues. Sin causes parents not to parent the way that they should. Um, and we live in a fallen and broken world. And so these perceptions, these ideas about who God is are formed often within the home. They're formed often within your culture. You go to a different country. Pastor Mike was talking about Jamaica. You know, there's, there's some, you go to Germany, you go to Europe, you go to, there's different, con, this, different things that, that attribute to how we view God. And we're going to talk about at the end of the sermon that that revelation has to come from God. So, in order to get to that revelation, in order to get to that point, we need to be able to identify some of the things that are not good or not right. I like being creative. I like, I like kind of, uh, making analogies that, I don't want to say that they're inappropriate, but, um, they're not religious, I guess is the, the term. So, but I, I, I have these different Jesuses that I want to talk about that maybe aren't the real Jesus. And the first one is, I was thinking about cloquet, did a little hit, little reading on Wikipedia about the industry and, you know, the, the, the culture here and a lot of like trees and you got the, the company that's got the matches, right? And, uh, so like a lot of like wood and, and so the first Jesus that we're going to talk about is lumberjack Jesus. Uh, lumberjack Jesus exists to make men stronger. He doesn't talk much. Lumberjack Jesus would actually, the hipsters, you guys familiar with hipsters? They dress kind of weird. Um, I, I can't be a hipster. We were at church planning training and there were some hipsters there, you know, like really crazy tight jeans and like big dudes, like bigger than me with like these tight sweaters. And, uh, I just can't do that. Like really, you guys don't want me to do that. Um, so, so, but the hipsters like Lumberjack Jesus because he's got like a beard and he's got like a flannel. And he very much could be on the front of a maple syrup bottle. You could see Lumberjack Jesus on the front of a maple syrup bottle. But Lumberjack Jesus, he doesn't really like to talk much. He like, he kind of likes to like grunt when you say something to him. You know, like, hey, Lumberjack Jesus, let's do this. And only a certain select few that are really tough enough can follow Lumberjack Jesus. Lumberjack Jesus prefers to get to people, to know people by their work ethic. I gotta move through these somewhat quick because we're running out of time. Then you have Burger King Jesus. Burger King Jesus is all, you know, he's all about having it your way. Right? You guys remember that? Burger King, have it your way. Burger King Jesus really exists to please you. He insists on letting you call the shots. He's ready to serve you. He's ready to bring you your order. Burger King Jesus only has one thing on his mind. What are, what is your order? Then we have whip cracking Jesus. I love, I don't know about you, but first time I read that in the scripture, I'm like, dang. You know, Jesus in the temple, like, crashing stuff over. Little interesting tidbit about that. 
Jesus really only got upset like that when it was religious people portraying God in a wrong way. He never acted that way with sinners. So, kind of interesting. Whip-cracking whip Jesus is always ticked off. Have you ever met someone like that? Where it's like, it didn't matter whatever you said to them. Like, I'm kind of a friendly, um, outgoing guy. Some of that, just to be honest with you, I'm learning how to adjust with that in the North. Because that's not always like received well. Especially like with dudes that are tough, like lumberjack, that follow lumberjack Jesus. Um, because like you go to have a, you say something to them and they're just like, hmm. You know, hey man, what's going on? Hmm. You know? And so, anyways, not all people are like that. Uh, very caring, wonder, wonderful, loving people in the north. God called me to the north and uh, I'm so grateful for it. But, I'm having to learn how to communicate with people like that. And some people that I've met, uh, they just seem like they're always upset. They're always angry. And so, in whip-cracking Jesus is like that. He's always angry. He's always mad. And He's waiting to like punish you. Like, having, you know, have you ever thought that, had that mentality that you just feel like God's always mad with you, at you? Like He's just up there ready to snap. Like at any moment, like wrath is just gonna like pour out on the scene and stuff is gonna get burned up. And I mean, cause biblically you see stuff like that and it's kind of freaky, right? But it's almost like this mentality that, that, that whip cracking Jesus is just like he gets excited about punishment. He's like ready to bring it. Then we have politically correct Jesus where truth is relative. It's okay for you to believe what you want. PC Jesus, He never offends people. He never does things that would offend, offend anyone. Or any other religion. Meaning like, you know, truth is relative. What you believe is okay. It's true to you. It's not true to me. But, but what I believe is true because it's, it's true to me. Politically correct, Jesus understands there's many religions, many beliefs, and many philosophies, and that they're all okay. Politically correct, Jesus accepts them all, and politically per- correct, Jesus promotes that everyone should. Indifferent Jesus, this is the last one, indifferent Jesus really doesn't care. He sees humanity from a distance and shrugs. We could really care less what will happen to them. He could really care less what will happen to them. He says, ah, they will figure it out. There's nothing compelling indifferent Jesus to do anything. He could either do with or without people. You see, even though you might hear some of those ridiculous descriptions and say to yourself, I would never think that way. Or maybe, maybe I think that if we're all honest, that we can sometimes believe that those things about who God is. You see, I had heard about Jesus. I had, had grew up in a home where where we went to church on Easter and Christmas and occasionally throughout the summer my parents would take us. But my grandmother was a godly woman and when I would visit them, we would always go to church and my grandmother would read Scripture to me. And she very much um, made that to be something that was important. 
But it wasn't really until later on in life that I began to know God personally, that I began to know Him intimately. And some of these ideas about who Jesus was, that really that I could just say, God, I want you to do whatever you want me to do, you know, God had to weed that out. Like Burger King Jesus having it my way. Or thinking about whip cracking Jesus, that it was just about this, t- this task list of things that I had to do or had not do. And we can go through the different ones that that maybe you think about. I'm all about practicality. I'm all about really we need to examine ourselves and and see where we line up and don't line up with Scripture and what can we do practically to change that. And that's the next Scripture I want to read. In Revelation chapter 3, it says Jesus is talking to the church of Laodicea and He says this wonderful, powerful, awesome statement. He says, I counsel you to buy from Me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. That you can get white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. And this is this last part is really what I want us to, to focus on. So that you can put salve on your eyes so that you can see. You see, it's just like Jesus told Peter, flesh and blood did not give this to you. What I'm giving to you, it comes from God. What I'm going to put in you, it's from Me. It's a spiritual revelation. When God puts His holy salve on our eyes to clear up our sight so that we can see Him for who He is, not for who we think He is, that is an amazing thing. That is a powerful thing when that shame can get washed away and we recognize that God's not mad at us. He's for us. That He's not politically correct. He's extremely offensive. And that's why He was crucified. That He's not just going to do everything you want Him to do. Thank God for that. Right? See, we've got to get this this spiritual anointing on our eyes so that just like Paul, when he when he was blinded, when he encountered Jesus, there had to be those scales that that fell off his eyes. I believe that was a a great description of 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 Jesus telling Paul, look, you used to be under the old covenant. You used to persecute me. You used to be about legalism and rules and do's and don'ts. And now you're entering a new covenant. It's about relationship with me. It's about loving people. It's about this passionate, intense, crazy relationship that will change your life forever and will affect every relationship that you encounter. That's what it means to be a Christian. And that is what God, I believe, wants to do in us. Whether we've been serving Him two seconds or whether we've been serving Him our whole life. We've got to come to this point where we say, God, I want to see You for who You are. I need clarity. I need You to take these scales off my eyes and I need You to give me this spiritual revelation that Peter had. I'm going to wrap up here. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 15 through 18 says, we look at the sun and we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at the sun and we see God's original purpose and everything created. For everything, absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, rank and after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Woo! That is awesome. That makes me excited. I know that might have Northern wise, we don't shout much. But that makes me excited. Okay? 
we get to find our purpose in Him and we get to work together. Talking about Relevant Life Church and, and then uh, Pastor Mike's going to come up and, and, and make the transition here. But, you know, this is our heart. Kind of what I'm sharing to, uh, to you guys is this is our heart for Fargo-Moorhead. There are 120,000 people who don't know God, who aren't connected with the church, who are broken and hurting. And uh, and some of really what came through in the prophetic word this morning is just exactly what I feel like God is speaking to us for our community, that we want to be a drink of water to people who need Christ. And and we're training, you know, Pastor Mike did an awesome job at helping us and we're doing everything that we can in our part. i got to be honest with you, part of that whole prayer thing is just because we were scared. I'm a Teen Challenge staff member with little experience on pastoring or leading a congregation. And so I knew I needed, I need you, God. I need you, God. I need you, God. And we are, we really have that same mentality and I, in our prayers that we never lose that mentality. However good we get at having church or doing church, we always want to come back to the fact that God loves people and He compels us to go after them. He left the 99 to go get the one, the scripture says. And so thank you so much before Pastor Mike comes up, I just want to pray a blessing over this church. Lord, I just thank you for good hope. I thank you, Lord, for for the voice, the beacon of light that they are to this this part of of this state and, and this part of this nation. I pray for your provision. I pray for just supernatural, radical financial provision to to build this new addition. Lord, thank you for the growth. Thank you, Lord, that something awesome is going on here, that you're expanding the tents, that you're widening their territories so that they can be more effective in reaching people in this community. I pray for crazy, supernatural, radical favor. I, I pray that the Jesus who walked in the New Testament healing people and, and raising people from, from, from the dead and, 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 restoring and healing and, and bringing about love and brokenness. And I pray that same Jesus would walk these aisles as He, I know that He does, and that He would be glorified and that many people would come to love Him and follow Him as a result of this church. Lord, thank You for their hearts. Thank You for who You are among them. In Jesus' name, Amen.